Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. You know, I'm a sports guy, so I watch the sports shows, and what they show at night is, you know, plays of the day. It's the top 10 plays of the day. Nobody strikes out on the top 10 plays of the day. Nobody does the bonehead stuff. It's the top 10 plays of the day. And so you look at that, and on that, everybody is a superstar. And, and on, have you ever noticed on everybody's social media, they always put their top 10 plays of the day. And so you're sitting at home, sad and alone, watching everybody else's top 10 plays of the day. They don't show you, you know, the moment when the kids spilled the oatmeal and, uh, and, and pardon my language, poo-pooed in the diaper and, you know, you're pulling your hair out and, and, you, and, and while you're trying to take care of them, you burn your husband's meal and he's not happy. You understand what I'm saying? And they don't show, look, I got an F on my exam. Look, I dropped out of college. Look, I just got fired. No, you, so, so what happens, we have information, but we don't have connection. We, we just become a culture of sitting by ourselves, watching other people live. And it's creating damage to us. I want to say it again. Don't leave here and say, oh, he just, you know, old crotchety old man. And he, he doesn't like the internet. Look, I love the internet. We preach on the internet. I'm on the internet right now. We do incredibly good things on the internet. The internet's not the problem. The problem's people using the internet. Your phone's not a problem. It's how you use a phone. Your computer's not a problem. It's how you use a computer. I'm not against computers, phones, internets, anything. What I'm for is people finding out what life really makes, how life really works, who God really is, how great he really is. Let's use this stuff for the glory of God. Amen? Let's use it to do good things. Let's take this thing back and make it work for us. But what happens, we are being lulled into a, a, a place of, of unfulfillment, of isolation, and that's what I want to talk about today. We've been talking about loneliness, and I want to talk to with you for a few minutes and look into the Word of God about not just loneliness, but isolation. Isolation is one step past loneliness. And what's the difficulty and the danger with isolation is that it's usually self-imposed. How many heard what I'm saying? Social isolation is self-imposed. I want us to look at this and, 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 and let's see where we're going. So let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. I've been asking us to read this. It's where we've started. And it's just a foundational truth I want you to get. I want you to see. I don't want you to miss this. How do I make my life work? Genesis 2.18. What did God say about you and I? How we're wired. How we're designed. How we think. How, what we need. What we're looking for. This is what God said when he created mankind. But Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good. For the man to be alone. That's what God said. It's not good. He wired you for connection, for relationship, but for healthy relationships. Can somebody say amen to that? For healthy relationships. And I want you to see this. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. God said, I created Adam. I created this man. And this man is not at his best level by himself. So I'm going to create someone for him that together they're better than they were by themselves. Are you with me? So, you know, listen, in our culture today, 
let's be very clear. We're far beyond, and we should be much better than just making jokes about homosexuality and same-sex marriage and transgender issues. Are you with me today? The church shouldn't be the place of buffoonery and, 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 and frivolity and shallowness and name-calling. At the same time, let's be very clear. We are called to speak the truth in love. And when God designed the, a man to operate at his highest level, he designed it to be in a relationship with a woman. God designed male-female relationship. God ordained marriage between a man and a woman. And what we have to understand is that every single substitute for what God designed will lead you to a dead-end, isolated place. And there will not be fulfillment in it. Now, the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. And the only reason there's pleasure for a season is how carnal and corrupted we have become without him. But even if you are an atheist and deny the existence of God, he still created you. He still made you. He still wired you. And if we ignore his plan, we will never have the fulfillment that God designed us to have. God did not design you to be lonely or unhappy. I shared with you a message last week. The problem is not I'm alone. The problem is I don't know how to be alone. You're going to be alone sometimes in your life. There are going to be some seasons when you're alone, where some people you loved are not there. Some people pass away. Some people go to heaven. Some people move. Some situations change. There are going to be shifts in relationship in your life. There are going to be moments when you're uh, people space changes, but the constant is God who will walk with us and be with us and be there for us in every single situation. And so God created us to walk with him daily. He created man and woman to walk before God together. When, when, when I'm speaking Bible truth, it doesn't make me a hater or a fearer. To say this is God's plan, you would, you would wrongly label me homophobic. Do we know what that word means? It, phobia is a fear. It means I'm, a, I'm afraid of a homosexual. I'm not afraid of a homosexual person. So I'm not homophobic. That's a mistitle for me. I don't hate someone just because I disagree with their lifestyle. What I do believe is the word of God is the ultimate absolute truth. And when we have the courage to follow it, we'll find what we're really searching for in our life. Much of the loneliness in our culture today is people who are broken and wounded and desperate because all of our man-made substitute relationships are simply not working. On the same hand, when God created man and woman to be in relationship and wholeness together, he also created, are you listening to me, for you to be married to one person and be faithful to that one person. Okay, so let's, let, let, let me speak to the heterosexual for a moment. Okay, if any, any relationship outside your marriage, any relationship that violates the sanctity of your marriage is a substitute counterfeit. It's not a God-ordained relationship. And so that will always ultimately end in a lonely desperation. Do you know that statistics tell us that the person, a married person, leaves his marriage and breaks his marriage and goes for this other person, do you know that those relationships have an 87% failure rate? Did you hear what I just said? 
You can't live without them. Well, they can't live with you. Let me, I'll go on this side and say it. That person that broke your marriage vows, that person you left your spouse to chase down because you thought you couldn't live without them, they're going to leave you. It's not going to work. Do you know the best relationship you'll ever have the opportunity to make work? It's the one you're in right now, the presence of God. And if we put all the effort, I know I'm preaching to somebody that's watching right on live stream, right? Not in here. But if we'll put the effort to make the marriage we're in now work, then we would to go find another one somewhere. You might be surprised what we've got to do right here. Now, some of you, somebody else made that choice and left you. And God knows that. And this is what I understand. When earth closes doors, heaven opens opportunities. And this is what I know. If man rejects you, God will come stand by you. And you hear what I'm saying? To the level of your rejection, God will meet it with a greater level of his presence in your life. If we will hold on for a moment and not overreact and react, if we will turn to God, if we will turn to God when earth fails us and we will turn to God, we will find that God is more real, God is more present, God is greater. The emptiness of a broken earthly relationship opens a door for the sweetness and the reality and the greatness of a knowledge of God that you may have never had without that. God's faithful. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? He is faithful, and he wants you to have a, a life, a relationship that's whole and well and strong, and God is able. Can anyone say God is able today? God is able. Let's look at this. Here's the problem. If we continue to dwell in this lonely place, we begin to uh, develop an identity. We begin to, uh, what I want to say to you today is stop making friends with isolation. Stop making friends with isolation. Loneliness that is not dealt with properly, not brought to the Lord. Listen to me. It's not a sin to be lonely. Christians are lonely. Good people have dealt with loneliness. It happens in life. The, the, the important thing is, how do we respond to it? What do we allow God to do with that? No shame in being lonely. There's no shame in walking through that moment. Life shifts. Life changes. And we, it comes without us asking for it. But God has answers for that. And one of the things we have to be careful is that we don't turn to isolation. Uh, I've got a verse here. Look at this. Proverbs 18.1. Proverbs 18.1. Notice this, what the Bible says here. Proverbs 18 and verse 1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Let's look at that again. A man who isolates himself. Isolation. What I want you to see for just a few minutes with me here is that I so leave this up. Isolation is one step beyond loneliness. And I said it earlier, the sad thing about it is most isolation socially is self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted. A man who isolates himself, see he did it, seeks his own desire, he rages against wise judgment. It's, it's not wisdom. It's not how God designed. We, we, we begin to have this, this sense of of, of uh, I'm alone, and, and so we retreat into it, and we, we begin to accept an identity of that. I want to go back to where I left us last week. Let's go to Mark chapter 5 and verse 24. I'm talking about isolation, about an identity of isolation. It begins to take our life and control our life, this, this identity of isolation. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Let's, let's look at this lady uh, 
very interesting to me. There, there's something here I shared with you, but we have to take a, a deeper look. Mark 5, verse 24. This is, this is what we begin to see here. <clears throat> Pardon me. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. You remember this lady. And a woman was there who had, a, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, I want you to get this. <clears throat> because, pardon me, her physical condition, she was, she was literally isolated. She, she was not only alone, she was isolated. You understand when I use the term isolation, it's, it's a step beyond loneliness. It's, it's a place of being all by yourself and, and begins to have an identity. It's a decision we make that's not a good one. So this lady had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, I want you to see, evidently, this lady wanted to get better. Do you see that? This lady had not accepted her isolation. Do you see that? She was doing everything she could to get out of her isolation. It's very important. She didn't accept it. She didn't design it. She didn't want it. She was dealing with it. She was doing everything to get out of it. It's very different than putting yourself in isolation. So verse 27, when she heard about Jesus in her isolation, I don't know who she heard talking about him. I don't know how the information got to her, but she heard about Jesus. She heard he was coming to her city. And so when she heard that, she made a decision. Someone say made a decision. You made a decision, all right? She made a decision. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in a crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. I, I want you to see something here. Let, let, me, let me go to verse 28 again. I want you to see this. I, we're talking about isolation. Talking about the wrong response to loneliness. Are you with me? I want you to see you can put yourself in. You can get yourself out. Everybody with me? One of the things our culture has done to us in this lonely culture is that we have a, we've adopted a victim mentality. Everybody with me? A victim mentality. Do you know it's shocking how many people that are blessed still think they're a victim? I'm going to make a lot of people unhappy, but it's kind of my job sometimes. It makes you think. Do you know most of the people in the rest of this world where I've been, if you called yourself a victim to them, They'd be in total shock. They'd be in utter dismay. They probably would want you to go have counseling. They probably would say, I wish I was a victim like you. So we have a mentality. I want you to listen to me today. There are not a few. There are billions. You hear my term I, I, with a B. Billions of people in this world today who would trade place with you and your victim mentality just like that. So I want you to look at something here. Are you with me? Look at verse 28. Why did she come up behind him? And why did she risk judgment and, and maybe uh, criticism, maybe being stoned to death? Why? Look at verse 28. Because she, oh, because she what? She thought. You see what one thought can do for you? You see what one thought can do to you in a bad place? She just thought. She just thought. She was sitting in her isolation. She was sitting in a place she didn't want to be. And what did she do? She thought. She made a choice. Do you know that nobody in this world can control your thoughts? Do you know nobody on this planet, not the devil himself, come on, 
can control your thoughts. Do you know you're the master of your thoughts? You're the director of your thoughts. You're the controller of your thoughts. The Bible says take captive your thoughts. Make them obedient to Christ. You're in control. You're not a victim. How many are listening to me right now? You're not a victim. Don't roll over and play dead. Don't give in to the enemy. In the hardest moments, sitting in this room right now, listening to me right now, do you know what you can do? You can have a thought. You can make a choice. You can rise up on the inside. Anybody with me today? And you can begin to say, that's not who I am. I'm not going to die in this room. I'm not going to live in this isolation. I'm not going to live my life in this place. It doesn't matter what you say, who you say, what you've thought about me. She thought. She thought. You can think right now. You can choose right now. You can determine right now. You can get that Bible open and read it till your thinking gets back online again. Is anybody with me right now? We might have to turn our phone off. Get off social media. Stop crying about somebody you don't know. Stop living your life uh, through somebody that wouldn't know you if you came over. And get that word and listen to the man who went to the cross and bled and died for you. And what does he say about you? We need to think what he thinks. We need to make a choice. If I just touch him, I'm going to be okay. Do you understand when she opened the door to Jesus, it opened the door to the people that she had been missing in her life. Do you know, did you get the order? When she opened the door to Jesus, it opened the door to people. If we stop chasing people and start chasing Jesus, if we open the door to Jesus, he'll open the door to the people. You want a husband? Don't chase a husband. Chase God. You want a wife? Stop chasing people. Chase God. God will do it. And it started with a thought. You can think. You can choose. I can choose. I can think. So she thought. She said, I, I, I love that. She, because she thought, because she thought, because she thought, her life changed. If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. See, you're ultimately going to act on your thoughts. She thought, then she acted. If you keep thinking I'm over and it's done and I'm isolated, you're going to be isolated. She thought. And she acted. Because she thought, she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed immediately. Her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Do you know, it doesn't matter how many people crowd around him, how many people don't know you, how many people don't recognize you. When you touch him, he knows you touched him. When you touched him, he didn't see a crowd, he saw you. When you touch him, that's who he is. He, he, he's always there. He realized power had gone. Who touched me? The disciples. <laughs> you know, there's always some church folks that don't get it. Okay, don't shout me down. There's always some church folks. This woman just had the biggest moment of her life. And Jesus says, somebody touch me. And now here's somebody going to tell Jesus what to do. I, I say the same thing every, well, well. That's good preaching. They're going to tell Jesus what to do. Mm, mm -mm. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched you. He can ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he can because he's Jesus. But watch this. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. That's what I wanted you to see. She had been healed. She'd had the biggest moment of her life. It was everything she'd waited for for 12 years. You must understand this. 
But because the years of isolation had given her an identity of that, that even though she was healed, she was hiding. Even though she was in the presence of Jesus, she still considered herself isolated. Even though she'd encountered God and her life had been changed, she still carried the identity of a rejected, isolated, unworthy woman. Do you know you can come in a church and sit in a service, and if we don't allow God to make something happen in us, you can sit here while I'm preaching and think an argument with everything I say. I know none of you here have ever done that. But some people sit in their seat and debate everything I say. While I'm preaching about loneliness, that God will find you and help you. Well, not me. Jesus cares about every individual. He doesn't know who I am. He's Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Well, he hadn't healed me. How do you think? How do you think? What are you fighting? What are you reaching for? Who you're running from? Who you're running to? See, are you running to the word or running from the word? Are we categorizing? Here's this woman healed, but she's afraid. Healed, but she's hiding. See, she's still hiding in the crowd. Her identity is, I don't belong. Nobody wants me here. I'm rejected. I'm isolated. And even though Jesus healed her, she's hiding in the crowd because she's locked in that mindset. So Jesus looks around. What do we find? Verse 32 again. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And I love verse 34. We don't know her name until Jesus gives her a name. He said to her, daughter. Oh, he didn't call her lady, woman, lady that's bleeding, isolated person, rejected person. He didn't say what's wrong with you. He looked at her and he said, oh, you're my girl. You're my girl. In front of that whole crowd. Isn't that awesome? In front of that whole crowd. He reaches down in front of the whole crowd and he picks her hand up and he picks her up and he looks at her. He said, you're a daughter. You're a daughter. You know, now think of how she, think of how she came into that moment, crawling on her belly in the dust, people stepping on her, people, people not caring about her. And think how she walked out of that moment. Oh, come on. She's up on her feet now. she got a new identity now. She's daughter. She's daughter. Can you see her walk out? I bet she just, you know, I don't, I, I'm not a woman, so I can't walk like one, thank God. And I'm not going to. I'm not going to learn how to either. But she probably had a strut going on. Come on, tell the truth. I don't know how you ladies do it, but you, you understand what I'm saying. I mean, her head was up. You know, she, and she took her time walking out of there, did she? She didn't run out. She was like, you know, she did. I've seen it. She did that prince's way coming. To, she's in the convertible driving in the parade. She's walking down Main Street, wherever that was, and she's waving. You know, there's those old, old women that live next door to her. She's a, and remember the, remember the church people, the disciples? Who do you mean somebody touched you? You know, all those other people, once she left, she said, deuces, I'm out on this thing. And see you. It changed everything. That one encounter with Jesus. 
Nobody wanted her. Don't you think she probably had a Bible study at her house the next day? <laughs> She's teaching on healing the next day. I mean, everybody wanted to come to her house. She, she was the, new, she was the uh, whatever you want to call her at your church. She was a church mother. She was an apostle. She was an evangelist. She was, the, she was the first female bishop in that town. Why? One moment with Jesus. One moment with Jesus. And, you know, if we begin to live our life saying, he doesn't care about me. It's too late for me. I can't be saved. I can't come to Jesus. It can't be healed. I've done too much. I've been too far. I've gone too long. You know what all that is? Isolation. 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 Pushing us in this thing. And, and Jesus says, I want you to be a daughter. I want you to be a son. I want you to have your life back again. I want to restore those things to you. Anybody with me on this thing right now? Let me give you one more. We're going to close for the day. Just, just a little insight here. <clears throat> Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. I, we, we talked about the ladies. Let's look, let's look at one of the guys here for just a minute. 1 Kings chapter 19. These amaze me. The, the mindset, the things, the thought, this lady's thought, the thought process, how we think, how we allow these things. You know the only way I get my thoughts right is reading the Word. Everybody listening to me here today? I don't take classes on pops and mental attitude. I don't take classes on how to, you know, win, make friends, you know, and influence people. I read the Word. That's the only thing that changes my thought life. I read and I pray till my thought life gets right. Poor, poor Pastor Phyllis, she knows when my thought life isn't right. Huh? Your husband or wife, what does that mean? Well, she knows when I'm having a hard day. You don't see my hard day. She does. <laughs> don't pray for me. Pray for her first. Everybody prays for the pastor. It says, wife, you ought to pray for her. Because you see God's man of faith and power. She sees me when I come home and it wasn't a good service. I'm like, oh, God. Phyllis, that's the worst sermon I ever preached in my life. Everybody sat there today and looked at me like I fell off the moon today. I mean, I've seen happier faces on poison bottles than the way they looked at me today. And the more I talk, you know, I'm getting lower. I'm getting lower. You, you got to pull my socks down to see where I'm going. I'm so low, you know. Poor Pastor Phyllis has to hear it, you know. And everybody else, you're just having a good old time. You're eating down there and having a buffet and party. I'm over to have. You ever seen Eeyore, you know, talking like Eeyore? Poor Pastor Phyllis, she's she back in the bedroom praying and fasting, God, please. You know? And the only way I could get out of it, she can't talk me out of it. I've got to get along with God. You know, sometimes alone's good. Can I tell you what? Sometimes you're going to do yourself and everybody else a favor. Shut your mouth and get alone for a little while. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah, shut your mouth and get along with God for a while. And the word will pull me back out every time. How do I read this and not get my thought life back? Here's Elijah. I, I, I don't, you know, guys, come on. If it happened to him, it can happen to us. But God's going to be there for you. Don't let isolation become your, your identity. Elijah had just called fire down from heaven. Come on. 850 prophets stood against him. Fire from heaven came down on Mount Carmel and consumed this sacrifice. The whole nation cried out to God. It began raining after there'd been a drought for three and a half years. I mean, he's on top. Next chapter, 1 Kings 19.1. Now Ahab, who was the, he was the wicked king, told Jezebel, the wicked queen. He told everything Elijah had done. And how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. 
So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that one of them. I mean, come on. He just had, he had his highlight film. I mean, it was his day he wanted on all the social media. I mean, you know, he's posing. He's, he, he, come on, roll it. And this is the next day. She said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. That's what I'm going to do, big boy. Come on now. So what do you do? Let's look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid. Hmm. Everybody's been afraid at some time. Don't look at me like that. I real open with you and told you I'm, I get discouraged sometimes. But I know what to do when I get there. Okay? He was afraid. And what do you do when you're afraid? What do you do? And he did what? Ran. Okay? When he came to Beersheba in Judah, watch this. He only had one person with him, his servant. So what's he doing? He's isolating. So he tells his servant, you stay here. He went on himself a day's journey into the desert. What happens when you isolate yourself? He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Isolation. Keep reading. What did he say? I've had enough. <laughs> Take my life. Can I tell you something? That's not a spiritual prayer. That's not the surrender we're talking about here today. Okay. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. <laughs> then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Do you see the isolation? Do you see the consequences of that? He pushed everybody away. He pushed them away. Do you know if you stay in loneliness without turning to God, you'll push people away. You'll isolate yourself. You'll get back over in a place that's not good. It's dangerous for you. And then let's go to the, let's drop down to verse 13. And we're going to let this be the last verses we read today. Look at verse 13. So what happens in the interim here from where we just read? So he not only goes under the tree, wants to die. God sends an angel to him, says, come on, get up. We're not done. So he goes. And the next thing he does, he runs and hides in a cave. Isolation. So God goes and finds him in a cave. Aren't you thankful that God goes after us when we're trying to isolate ourselves? Do you know that when you feel alone, God's right there with you? Do you know that he's trying to talk to you when you're not wanting to listen to him? Do you know just because we act faithless, he's still faithful? Do you know that even when we think we don't need him, he's right there because he knows we do need him? Aren't you thankful, listen to this, that God doesn't answer some of your prayers? I want to say it again. Aren't you thankful God doesn't answer some of your prayers? Thank you, God, that you know sometimes we just missed it. So watch this. We're in verse 13, in chapter 19. So, so what happens here? Uh, I've got to find it here. So he, he finds him and he says this. When Elijah heard it, here's something. He's in the cave. He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, I love this, what are you doing here, Elijah? Maybe so. I think that's what God's trying to help me to do in these messages. To say to somebody, what in the world are you doing in there? Do you know who you are? Do you know who your God is? Do you know what he's capable of doing? I think maybe I'm the one standing at the cave saying, hey, what are you doing in there? Okay, so... So he says, well, what are you doing? What are you doing inside that place? Uh, so look at this. Man, Elijah is in it deep. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, 
They have broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. Look at this one. Here's a great isolation statement. Are you anybody recognizing some of your verbiage here? Look at this one. I am the only one left. Oh, you isolated yourself. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Isolation on steroids. The Lord said to him, aren't you thankful God will talk to you in the middle of our foolishness? In the middle of our doubt and our unbelief and our isolation, God says, well, you know, I'm still here and let's talk. The Lord said to him, watch this. What was the answer from God for isolation? Watch this. Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also, look at this, anoint Jehu of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah. So he said, here's what you're going to do. First of all, listen to me, those of you in the cave of isolation. You don't need people. You need purpose right now. And God walked up to me and said, if you'll get out of the cave, I'm not done with you yet. Come on, did you hear what I'm saying? Your life's not over today. How many hear what I'm saying right now? He said, I'm going to give you purpose. You're going to go anoint the next king of Judah. You're going to go anoint the next king of Israel. And you're going to go anoint the next prophet that's going to follow you. He said, I'm not done with you yet. Are you listening to me today? God's not done with you yet. He has great things with your name on it. So he says, come on, get up. We got some things to do here. And so he says, you're going to go do these things. Now watch this. Verse 17. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Haziel. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. But, you know, you, you, you should be uh, maybe happier with the prophets of today. They don't kill anybody. These guys just kill a few. It's, you know? Okay. I don't have time to explain that. Verse 18. Remember he said, I'm the only one. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So let's end this right here with this. You're not the only one that still loves God. You're not the one that needs to die. God has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And you're not alone in what you're doing. You just isolated yourself, or you're listening to me right now. You're isolating yourself. What do I need to do? I need to get up and go to church. Come on, you ought to say amen. You're here right now. I need to get up out of that house and go to church. I don't have COVID anymore. You're all right. You're going to be okay when you come in here. Get up and go to church. Go find somebody who's hurting and go do something for them. Stop saying I'm the only one. Come on, I got to get you out of that cave. Get up out of that cave. God will anoint you to go find somebody. We have widows and shut-ins that are really alone, and you're not really alone. They can't drive, and you can drive. Drive over to their house and pray for them. Drive over to their house and feed them. Drive over to their house and mow their yard. Is anybody listening to me right now? Do you know why you're sad? Because you isolated yourself. You were alone, and then you took one more step from alone. You had one more friend, Elijah's servant. He said, I don't want anymore. I'm going to go lay under this tree and pray God kill me. I want to say again, you ought to be really grateful today. God didn't answer all your prayers. Let's do something. Stand up with me. Come on, we're going to pray. We got to baptize some people and you need to go home. Can I help you with something? Listen to me. We're going to pray. When you go to help someone, are everybody listening to me?
Don't go and help somebody who's lonely and tell them how lonely you are. Don't go to pray with a sick person and while you're there, you tell them how bad you feel. Everybody listen to me. You might need to say it. It's not about me. It's not about me. <laughs> you went to help them. You didn't go for them to help you. Everybody with me? Okay. Don't go over to that person who's having a bad day and tell them how bad your day is. Think about how we talk. Come on, I'm trying to make you feel bad. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody says, I'm really feeling lonely. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Glad you came, Mr. Sunshine. <laughs> now we just feel bad together. Now we've got two sad people in the cave. Come on. Come on. We serve a great God who's got a great plan. And I want to look you in your eyes today and tell you the anointing of the Holy Spirit is waiting on you to get out of that cave and to go do the things God put you on this earth to do. If you think your purpose is over, you haven't been listening to the voice of God. If you think it's all over, God will heal you. You've been sick 12 years. God will pull you out of isolation. He'll call you daughter. He'll give you a name. He'll raise you up. He'll use you in a greater way. You know all your loneliness is going to do is just going to become your testimony. It's not your identity. You were there and now you're out. The devil wants to isolate you, but he's not going to win this thing. God's with us today. Are you with me? God's with us in this moment. He's with us in the moment. He's the God who said, I'll leave the 99. And I'll go find that one. Do you hear me? God's not the God that says, well, I still got 99. The one doesn't matter. No, no, no. Not our God. God will say, I got 99 doing okay. Let me go get that one isolating herself. Let me go get that sheep that ran over their corner. You know why? Because the devil always attacks the isolated one. And that's what you need to know. I don't know what we're playing right now. But anyway, if you're going to worship with it, it's good. If it's something else... Oh, I like it now. That's good. It's the right song. Guys, he wants to set you free right now. He wants to walk into your cave right now. He wants to pull you back out of that place that says, I'm the only one and I ought to die. Are you with me? Shame will isolate you. Guilt will isolate you. Rejection will isolate you. The lies of the devil right here will isolate you. But all you have to do is begin to change that with one thought. God, if I touch you, you're going to heal me. If I get in touch with you, it's going to shift and change. That's all it takes. Can we pray together right now? Come on, let's pray. If your family's with you or a friend is with you, I'm not going to everybody to do it this time. But if a family or friend is there, you grab their hand. Come on. Family or friend, grab their hand right now. We're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I call the Elijahs out of the caves today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I call the lady healed but still hiding daughter in the name of Jesus. I speak to that young person who's wrestled with rejection and depression. And I speak over you today. You are chosen, selected. Jesus died for you. Your value is immeasurable. You mean more to God than anything you could ever even think of. God, I pull them out of their cave. I pull that widow and widower out of that cave who's trying to walk without their, their beloved spouse. I speak over them today. God, you have wept when they have wept. You have cried when they have cried. Your, their pain has touched your heart and you said you were near to those with a broken spirit God Lord I pray over them today it's not easy to get out of the cave it's not easy 
to take those steps back. But God, you're for them. You are with them. You have places for them. You have people for them. You have purpose for them, God. And I speak that over their life today. Satan, you're a liar and the father of all lies. And we come against you today strongly in the name of Jesus. And we declare today that your people will not live and die in isolation. They will not live the rest of their years as a lonely, isolated person. They will rise up today and the anointing of the Lord will pull them out of that place and give them hope again. Father, we declare it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.